Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review, and better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals. These conversations create the foundation for my book on what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. And I'm joined today by one of my dear friends, George Sample. Uh, George is, hello, George. Hey, how's it going, John? Doing great. Yeah. If you want to Google something funny, Google George and my uh, dance routine at Disrupt oh, HR. Good Lord. And yeah. <laughs> Three years ago, I think it was right around this time. I feel like we embarrassed the heck out of ourselves. And uh, George was a yeah. good sport and we, we, we made everybody laugh and, and, uh, and had a great time. So yeah, people got a good laugh out of that one. <laughs> for, for all the right reasons. Yeah. It was a good time. It was a good time. So I appreciate you inviting me for that. That was, that was a good time. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. So, so George, tell me a little bit about your current role that you have at the Fed Reserve and then kind of your journey career-wise in HR. Oh, sure. So I currently work as the HR business partner manager for the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland. So that means I manage our HR business partners. With HR business partner, um, you have to really understand the business and you do the, the full breadth of the HR job. So knowing something about recruiting, helping out with compensation, employee relations, succession, workforce planning, coaching, you name it, my team is the front line of doing that and helping to provide that service. And also coordinating the service that human resources provides to the organization. I always say though, the foundation of that happens from knowing the business. Uh, my background is not a quote unquote traditional HR background, although as I meet more and more HR professionals, everyone comes kind of comes to a, from a different kind of way. Uh, I went to John Carroll for undergrad, John Carroll University, University Heights. Uh, I was computer science, so I was a computer programmer for the Riverzal Corporation my first seven years out of college. Um, that last two years, I worked in a lot of HRIS stuff, so I got to know the HR processes really well. They got to know me really well. They asked me to interview for a position. I told them, you do know I write computer code, right? Um, so I took that, what I thought would be a quick detour into HR as their manager of diversity and inclusion. I thought I'd be in HR for a couple of years, but I got there and very quickly saw how much impact HR done well can have on an organization. So was in that role for three and a half, four years, then went to the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. I did three different HR manager roles there over about five years. Um, went to, after that, the Cuyahoga County Public Library. I was the director of human resources there. And I've been here at the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland for, uh, this is a year now that I've been at the Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland. Um, somewhere in that mixture, I went back to John Carroll and got my, uh, Masters in, business Masters in Business Administration. So it helped me, it was really crucial to help me talk about HR um, from a business sense. So understanding what the business is trying to achieve and then tying in the things we do from an HR perspective um, from business principles and practices, which I think have helped me to be successful. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And it's a foundational principle of what HR like a boss means to me, and, and uh, to me, it's it's business people that practice HR and that that foundation and their ability to connect people within their organization to the purpose of the company, so that uh, everybody can be rowing in the same direction and do it in a way that uh, 
is mutually beneficial, which I know that's a balancing act for HR sometimes. So uh, from, from that, that being said, how, how would you define above and beyond what we just talked about, the purpose of human resources within, within an organization? The purpose of human resources to me is to make sure that people in your organization are, are positioned to deliver the best possible value whatever your business mission is. So depending on what your organization is trying to accomplish, you're probably gonna practice HR a little bit different way. You're gonna look at leadership development and succession planning a little bit different way. You're gonna look at compensation a different way. I mean, the way that we compensate as a bank is probably gonna be a little bit different than the way a nonprofit is going to compensate their employees. So for us as HR, being able to position, help to support, train and guide the employees within the organizations to do their jobs the best possible way is a very key function for any organization that you're in. Sure. Yeah. Aligning. I love that value. That makes a ton of sense, like making sure that we're bringing value to the organization. So mm -hmm. and, and having worked in HR for, for, well, I guess not your entire career because you were doing computer programming and we, we pulled you, we pulled you into this, this space. <laughs> How, how, what have you enjoyed the most about working in human resources throughout your career? What, what, what one thing stands out to you the most? Well, the thing that I saw immediately was the ability to impact careers and how appreciative people are when you're able to impact their career in a positive way, be it helping them understand um, how to improve their resume to coaching managers on difficult things to some of the Many folks have had the, the opportunity to mentor, helping them with things like having difficult conversations or accountability or how to even network better within organizations, helping people understand the political piece of organizations is a real thing. You have to navigate that if you care to ascend within organizations. I mean, that piece of really being able to help people career-wise was the reason I stayed in. And it continues to be some of the most rewarding work I get to do. Hmm. And how, how do you how do you then measure that that success, right? The reward that you do and the the the, the enjoyment that you get out of it. How how do you how do you as, as a as I know an athlete and the proud John Carroll grad, and I know I know we've talked about your your aspiration to uh, continue to, to to ball as much as you can when it when when, oh, yeah. when you're able to. Well, how do you measure success in your work? from an HR business partner or as a director in the past? And you see the people that you've been able to, whether it be large scale succession workforce planning kind of projects, and you see people uh, as you've helped them to map out their development plans or the career paths for them, as you see them take flight on those career paths and you see them get business results, there's a pride in saying, hey, I was a part of that or I helped that person who was in one part of the business think differently about their career and then go to a different part of the business. I mean, I have people from two organizations ago, I've seen their careers absolutely blossom because I was able to have the conversation with them about their skill set and helping them see themselves in a different light they wouldn't have seen themselves and then take on opportunities that they would have thought was a little bit out their wheelhouse or out their comfort zone. Um, but I'm, but that's, that's, able to add value to them and also that value to organizations as well. So as I continue to do that, um, hopefully you can keep on building and building on that and seeing more and more people that I can have that impact on because each person I see take those type of steps 
it's another, it's more points on the scoreboard in regards to folks that have been able to help uh, career-wise get to where they want to go. And also organizations benefit from unlocking their full potential. Yeah, that tally list I'm sure you have. And, and it's interesting because I go back to what you said earlier. Somebody obviously saw something in you maybe different than programming and, compu and computers to working in HR. And I'm sure you've, you've seen, you know, what that impact of somebody taking a risk or making an encouraged discussion to you of a different path. And now, now look at you, right? So, yeah, I was like, what are you, are you, are you guys sure? Me? Because <laughs> then I had to go interview for the position. And um, it was because I, I knew all the folks that worked with them so closely, you know, because I worked on their, on their systems. And also, like, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was doing a lot to build a network. So in addition to programming, I was on multiple employee resource groups. I was on our United Way campaign. I was the coordinator for a corporate challenge team. So I was doing all this stuff just because I like to do it and making these relationships just because I like to interact with people and didn't realize that I was building so much social capital and network capital within the organization just, just because I was doing things I wanted to do. Um, so when I did get that opportunity, I was like, well, this is okay, we'll, we'll go with this. Right. Yeah, you can make more of an impact. And I think it's interesting. That's kind of a foundational thing of what I'm trying to um, share with people is I think HR has the, the easiest way to connect with an organization to cascade its impact across leadership, board members, CEO, managers, and, and employees. And if we can find a way to get them to maximize their own individual potential while being able to do that with others, then, then that will then maximize, we think in theory, the potential of the, of the organization or business. And that, that's good for everybody, that win-win you talked about. So I'm curious uh, to you, 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 have, you have many of the characteristics that, that I'm probably gonna showcase in my book, but what are, what are some things to you that, that stand out to you about a HR professional that uh, you think they, they get it and that, that, that they, they, they're gonna go places from an HR standpoint? So three things that I would point out, I would say communication, influence, and judgment. Um, communication is so key in so many different arenas. I mean, because the way that people communicate from the ground up of how you come across in an interview to how much credibility you have within a room, a lot of that boils down to your ability to communicate, both verbally, through email, through whatever medium you're communicating, the cadence of communication, tone, pitch, understanding body language, um, the different cues, social cues in different settings, that communication piece is a huge piece. And I touched on the political nature of organizations as well. If you have two people in an organization, there's gonna be politics in that organization. And, and that's a part of it. And being able to communicate effectively is a huge part of that. That second part, influence. Um, there are some really good resources, some books. There's a book, a book called Influencer. I think it's by Vital Smarts. Um, you building your ability to influence is going to be huge for you as an HR professional. Uh, I remember one of the directors when I worked at Lubrizol, he said, "Hey, this HR gig is we're just we're just consultants. We're just internal consultants because realistically, we're helping to support the business. We're giving them suggestions of how they should do what they should do and when they should do it." But we have to be able to build the credibility and to be able to influence them to take those steps to go forward. And the last thing is judgment. Uh, when you get 
further up in your HR career, all the technical stuff you can find in the book. You get your SHRM certification, you know everything that I know about HR. So I, I would never espouse to know more about HR from a technical standpoint than anybody else. But it's that judgment piece that, um, that really distinguishes leaders from the rest of the pack and those who go higher in HR. There are so many, this is all gray area. I mean, it goes from your lower in, or, in an organization HR where everything's black and white to as you get to the top of the HR pyramid and everything that comes to you is gray. Because if it was black and white, someone lower in the organization would have handled it already. By the time it gets to you, it's cloudy. So you having judgment as an HR professional is the determining factor between you being, um, between how far you can go as an HR professional. Yeah, I think that's really cool. That last piece on the judgment part stands out to me because oftentimes, like you said, things come to you that maybe isn't in the employee handbook or isn't in a policy and procedure. Uh, and it's a unique circumstance and you have to balance you know, core values and organizational mission and the severity of what happened and the consistency of it or lack thereof and the person that's involved or people. And you take all those factors in and then, like you said, try to make the best choice you can that uh, works well for, for all, all involved. So that's cool. Great insight. So I know, George, you, you participated in one of my HR Like a Boss presentations, which was kind of the genesis for coming up with this book idea. And I know you were in the room when I, mm -hmm. I made the risk of telling people, let's talk about why people hate HR. <laughs> actually, you were there the first time I did this. And I, I was more worried than anything else because I thought people would boo me off the stage. But I, I feel like we could have spent the entire time just talking about that for the rest of the presentation. There, there were, I never seen really so many hands have. raised. <laughs> so tell me if you remember anything from that or anything that stood out or your, your perception of why sometimes employees say, I, oh, I really hate HR. And you have to remember, that was a room full of HR professionals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot, right? I'm a fool, right? I'm a fool. You would have thought that you would have asked, like, what's, like, why is HR terrible? And then be like, we're all great. What are you talking about? But yeah, every hand is up in the room. I mean, from being too, too rigid to, you know, sticking to the policy to being the no people, I mean, to they don't answer me quick enough or, or all those different things, which a lot of it boils down to well, judgment and customer service. If I were to put those into two buckets, would be the key things people don't like about HR. Um, this policy doesn't make sense. Why do we have this policy? Or I didn't like the way this person interacted with me. Or I applied for a job, I never heard back. Um, they don't communicate. No, things like that. So between having discernment with policies and having the customer service be the two biggest buckets I would, I would categorize things in for why folks sometimes don't like HR. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, it, it is interesting how, how freeing that question was to HR professionals. It's kind of unique. And I, I do make a joke about it that, that uh, I hate HR slide that I, came up with was uh, eas easily found and many other options there. So it's not yeah. an uncommon, <laughs> uncommon term. But speaking of that, those kind of that customer service, like you mentioned, that judgment, are there, are there characteristics that, that you think um, that you've seen people that's maybe struggled and were in the career of HR, but struggle with it? And what do you think prompted them to, to really be challenged by their profession while they were in the midst of, of doing it every day? Well, there has to be an alignment between the person's personality type, 
and the type of roles that they are, are in. I mean, HR has some roles that are very much cut and dry. If you're in compensation, I mean, you're mainly focused on numbers. Whereas if you're more employee labor relations, you know, that judgment starts to come in, in a lot because you have situations where you're dealing with the interactions of individuals or you're doing an investigation and you have to figure out where does the truth really lie between people who are telling different versions of the same story. So depending on kind of where you are and what kind of role you're playing in HR, if your personality type isn't a good match for the type of role you're in, that's where I've seen struggle with HR professionals. Some roles require you to be very much detail oriented. And if you're not that, uh, then you're gonna struggle. You can't have a compensation person who's not detail oriented because um, I, I need to make sure that the, the check looks like the way the check's supposed to look. I mean, you know, that's kind of a flipping example, but the skill set and the personality type has to match the role that you're in uh, as an HR professional. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and kind of springboarding off of that is we hear this term all the time of seat at the table. And if, if you know HR professionals, their aspiration for that, and when they don't have it, it feels like uh, kind of a, a generalized indictment or bias toward the human resource professional. Do, do you have any uh, sense as to, and maybe in the organizations you worked in or other colleagues that you've worked with that have struggled to get that proverbial seat, what, what's, what's prompted that for them? in your opinion, George? So the, the getting to the table or struggles once they get, once they get to the table? I, th I think inevitably to me, the question was around like getting the seat at the table, like having a seat at the table. Now mm -hmm. that's one step and then uh, let's continue on it. Once you get it, how do you keep it? Yeah. <clears throat> so the getting the, <coughs> getting the seat at the table, it's first understanding what the needs of the business are. So it's, you can't come at the business with the uh, here goes the book of HR. You have to know, they have to know that you understand what they're trying to accomplish there as an organization and not just here goes section 17 point B dash point zero two of the policy manual. So that's getting us to the table of understanding the business and bringing solutions for problems that are there because that's what we're here for of, hey, we're not producing enough in this business line. Maybe we don't have the right skill sets. How, where do we go to get those skill sets? Or maybe our managerial talent isn't stepping up the way and getting the production out of the professional staff we need to get. Maybe there's a gap there in regards to their competencies. How do we build their competencies? Or we have certain folks we know if we, they walk out the door, we're screwed. How does HR really think about creating succession pipelines for them? In order to get a seat at the table, HR has to be actively bringing those types of ideas you know, to the leadership of the organization and helping them see what that value is because there's, there's no business that runs without people. HR should be very much tied into from a strategic standpoint, not just the transactional things, but strategically, how do you get the best out of that human capital and, and making sure that you're bringing fresh ideas that could be helpful towards the bottom line for the organization. Now, once you've done those things and you have your seat at the table, actually contribute. You know, it's not just you speak up when there is a violation or something of that nature. It's understanding the business and making sure that 
we've thought through everything from a human capital standpoint that's going to help us get to where the business goals need to be. So I think from both perspectives of how do you get the seat at the table and how do you stay, you have to add business value. I mean, you're sitting in the HR function, but it, your key is to add business value. Yeah, no, perfect. I love that. That's great. Now, if you if you could go back, and, and I know it may be unfair, may, maybe it feels like you're back right now, John Carroll, based upon your background, but if a, 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 young, <laughs> a younger George Sample at the time, who was uh, ready to start his his computer programming position at uh, Lubrizol, what, what advice would you give him knowing what you know now? Um, be a better steward of time. So two things, be a better steward of, of my time. I can't tell you how much time I wasted on the most trivial of pursuits. <laughs> um, I don't know, years of life on the most trivial of pr pursuits. Um, so that would be the, the key thing of being a steward of my time. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter if you have found, for instance, your calling. It's just that whatever you're currently focused on, you know, being all the way focused on, on that thing. Um, so sometimes people shift, people shift careers. I mean, you're talking to a HR guy who was very much writing computer code. So sometimes things shift. But whatever you're doing, it's investing your time wisely and being all in on what you're doing. And so you decide to change directions. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. And the steward of time, yeah, as, you, as I look back on my career, yeah, the amount of time you wasted doing trivial or maybe not terribly important things and the and maturity will show you that, you know, mm. you only get so much time. So let's make sure you make the most of it. But Although yeah. it wouldn't be terrible to waste a bunch of time just like doing stupid stuff, <laughs> right? That could, be, that could be fun for like an afternoon, I think, George, right? That's yeah, about it. It's fun for afternoon. Yeah. You know, it gets it's interesting as you fast forward from a time perspective, you start to have some success. People see that you're effective in doing things. Um, you get every opportunity in the world, which is great, as long as you don't say yes to every opportunity in the world. I mean, I know I've had sections of my career where I've been involved with my work and then family and then a lot of different things from nonprofit perspectives, all stuff that I cared about, but I'd look at myself and I'd be torn in 17 different directions. So that ability to focus on a few things that are going to add significant value to my life, um, that's something I've been really much more cognizant about um, lately. Yeah, I, I, it's an interesting analogy because I've gone through the same experience that you have all these friends when you're in college or shortly after college and over time those those the really good friends stick together and then the kind of casual friends kind of not necessarily go by the wayside but you don't spend as much time with them and I agree with you 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 get asked to do a lot of things and as a good human being you want to help and say yes and then through those experiences you find what you really like to do and what you really don't want to spend your time doing so that's that's great. Great advice to the uh, from the elder statesman George Sample to the younger George <laughs> Sample. So let's get you out of here on this kind of premise of the book is HR like a boss. So what would be your description of somebody that does HR like a boss? They take ownership. You know, there's no uh, that's someone else's issue. That's someone else's problem. They take ownership of making sure their organization is positioned for success to the best of their ability at all times. 
That's by definition. Simple. Love it. Well, George, you're the man. Thank you very much for taking the time. You continue to stay safe out there. And uh, I appreciate you as a human being and our friendship. And I'll keep you posted on how things progress with the book. And if, uh, if time allows it, maybe I'll let you get a uh, pre-read. I'm, I only, I'm only asking my wife to read the whole thing. So <laughs> that's the only one customer I'm committing to. And she doesn't have a choice. <laughs> she has nothing to do with HR. Doesn't really. She's an educator, but uh, she's yeah. a really good reader, and she's my wife. So I think. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, good luck with the book. I mean, I know it'll be great. I look forward to to reading it, and I know you'll be able to provide some really good help and really good guidance to the HR community. So good luck with it, and I wish you the best with it. Thank you, George. Appreciate it. Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating and review. And better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.